everybody. Welcome to our podcast. Dajahao, everyone. Okay, so this week we have a special guest on, but we're going to quickly have a catch up. So Cheryl, do you want to tell us quickly what your week has been like? Um, my week has been very busy. We have a long <laughs> yeah. week of marking and marking and more marking at school. There's nothing I can actually say because it's just been a quick and blurred week of working and working. How about mm-hmm. you? Uh, the same. It's not easy being pregnant and working. I'm really struggling. I had to put in a message to my boss saying like, I can't do this. And I've, I've never been someone to complain about workload ever. I've never, I mean, we all moan and vent at work. Like, oh, so busy. And I'm, but I've never like formally complained. And I had to say all these extra duties are just getting far too much for me right now and I can't handle it and I was walking to the MRT when was it I think it was Thursday yeah it was Thursday and I was crying I left work and I was just walking down the street and I just couldn't help it and I just started crying and people must have just like seen me like who is that crazy like why go and I was just like and she's pregnant like walking down the street yeah and I was pregnant and I was just it just got a little bit too much for me but they're they're gonna try to help out a little bit more with less duties yeah you can they can do for you right okay well this week we have a very special somebody close to my heart that we'll be interviewing mm-hmm. um she's quite amazing she's also a teacher very beautiful and also talented because she's very good with children. It is my very close friend, Nadia Kwong. Welcome. So we wanted to get you on the podcast because I was really happy that you messaged us on Instagram because you'd Mm -hmm. watched one of our episodes and you'd made quite a valid point. And I thought, you know what? A lot of the times when me and Cheryl do these podcasts, we agree with each other a lot. It's quite rare that me and Cheryl disagree. So it was quite nice to hear different opinions and I um I messaged Cheryl and I was like we should just get her on the podcast and let's not have this conversation with her just personally like let's do it on the podcast new mothers old traditions because that's how I do feel living in Taiwan I do feel like there are lots of new mums but there's still lots of old traditions that still are being played right yeah how from last week's episode how did you feel because you you met I think you made a comment you said that you don't think the doctors are telling Taiwanese women to starve their babies but uh, maintaining a healthy weight is really important right okay so uh, my comment on this would be that as you guys know that the culture here is very different also Mm. how people express you know i feel like people here they just go straight to the point they don't yeah. want too much explanation so my okay this is just you know I'm, this is just my guess okay yeah. i i've never been pregnant i've never been close to that or anything so i think the doctors just don't want to explain they're just too tired they're just mm-hmm. like you know what just 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 don't go, get overweight don't, don't we don't want a, a huge baby that's all i don't make i don't think they meant to starve your baby you know but they're just not as can i use the word enthusiastic they're just not they're just not mm-hmm. like i think the problem is as we all know okay like um even we're in asia obesity is you know is becoming a quite an issue now compared yeah. to 
a decade ago. So I think doctors here just mean that, hey, 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 just please, moms, just don't overeat. I mean, watch your weight a little bit, you know. We don't want an unhealthy, yeah. unhealthy baby. But, okay, I also get, you know, your your point and you and mm. Cheryl's point is probably that, um, you know, it's everything should be best for the baby and best for the mom's uh, mental health and everything. Yeah. Same. But as I said, yeah. I the doctors here can I don't want to use the word care, but I don't think they're like, hey, how are you feeling? I don't, I, all they want is, hey, you stay healthy, baby, stay okay. I don't, mm-hmm. uh, just, just come here, get the baby, you know, popping, you know. <laughs> just, yeah, 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 yeah. But I think um, because we go based on our experiences, mm-hmm. I've never, ever heard one person ever in England Mm -hmm. I'm obviously just going to compare back to my own country right I've Mm -hmm. never heard anyone in England say like oh I can't eat too much like I need to keep the baby small keep the baby small so that I can have a better delivery I've never ever heard anyone say that but I've heard it here not only have I heard it I've seen it where I knew someone not too long ago that was pregnant and she was eating one meal a day because she she, yeah and she was really worried that she'd put on seven kg and seven kg I've already put that's exactly the amount of weight I've put on now since being pregnant and actually I've been following the guidelines I've Mm -hmm. put on the required amount of weight Mm -hmm. for for my body in my body mass index and I've been trying to follow that as accurately as possible but I have been following the NHS system because that's my home country right and um I think that's where the the thing was with Cheryl and I Cheryl's actually experienced it with a doctor who told her she was too big whereas in South Africa correct me if I'm wrong or right you wouldn't have been too big no but also um I just think, you know, you went with me with my, you know, scans and everything. Yes, you. And like, I just think it's true. Like when Nadia said to me, because I spoke to her per, uh, privately, not on our Instagram that we, me and Kat share. Um, and I was like, what do you mean? And when she explained to me, like, I don't think they saying that women should be not eating and keeping their baby underway. She was like, women are automatically smaller, like Asian women are automatically smaller than Western women. But she mm-hmm. was like, it is wrong for a doctor to say to a mixed person or a person who is a Westerner who doesn't have much Asian blood to be like, keep your baby small because it doesn't really apply to them as it does to an Asian woman. So you know, when I did not uh, follow the guidelines of the weight criteria, everybody, I put on too much weight. I do not recommend this to pregnant people um, because I just let it go. Like I put on too much, 30 kilos. How much? What, 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 how many kg did you put on throughout the <laughs> entire pregnancy? Like 30. 30 in the whole like 30 kg 30 33 zero okay everyone look that up i don't know how much that is in pounds it's double the required western oh, wait okay. 15 uh, okay i'm 15 not trying to is required i'm not saying to everybody you know like be me like i remember nadia and i going to a scan and she came with me i was very pregnant and i run up to her and uh, no, i hobble up to her and i'm like heavily pregnant and i say to her nadia how much do you think i weigh and she's like 73 and I'm like no and she's like more than 75 I'm like uh-huh she's more than 80 I'm like uh-huh she's like oh. <laughs> I was more than 80 now. <laughs> yeah and then she even said to me like 
you don't look it, but I really put on a lot and I, I don't know if I did look it or I didn't, but you know what guys, everyone is unique. Okay. If you didn't put on weight, uh -huh. it's okay. If you did, it's okay. As long as your mom and baby are healthy, I guess. But yeah, I really found that interesting the way Nadia put it. Cause I never saw it as the doctor only associating the keep the baby small with an Asian person. Like I just, and I didn't assume that they just assumed like, oh, you know, like you're an Asian girl because you look Asian instead of knowing, oh, okay, she's mixed race. She probably not as small, built small compared to like, you know, Westerner or an Asian person. Right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I've struggled with that my whole life here anyways, you know, just I'm nowhere near, you know, like chubby or anything. I don't think, <laughs> I don't think, but I'm just, you know, my bones just, just, I, I'm half Arabic, but I like, have Arab. So we're just built a little bit different, you know? <laughs> um, well, that I do think it is really interesting to bring up the um, different ethnicities should. Mm. And actually I did some research on it and we should be held to different standards. Okay. Um, even Americans and English were, were both, you know, white and Caucasian, but even for that, like our stature, like, you know, if you go to Germany, like Germans are massive, like most Germans are so tall, you know, mm -hmm. so for them as well and bone density, everything plays a part in it. So that is an interesting thing. And I didn't think of that until you would message us on Instagram. So then I thought are the doctors in Taiwan, in England and in South Africa, are they thinking about this? Because I don't know about England, but I don't think so in Taiwan. I don't think that a doctor would have given Cheryl that advice in South Africa, but maybe here they're judging her also because you're mixed and you look more Asian, right? Mm. Maybe that they're, they're holding you to more of an Asian standard and not like a mixed blood um, standard. Like, And for me, I haven't been told oh, you put on too much weight or you're too big or you're this or you're that. that. That hasn't been told. And is that because I'm white? Are they holding me to the standard of a white person? Which they should, right? Because if they were to hold me to an Asian standard, I'm not built the same way. My bone density isn't the same. Exactly. I totally right? agree. Yeah. yeah. So um, I did look up the US guidelines from the Institute of the Medicine. And it's recommended that underweight women gain around 28 to 40 pounds during pregnancy which is 12.5 or 18 kilograms normal weight women gain 25 to 35 pounds between 11 and 16 kg and then mm. overweight women should gain 15 to 25 pounds which is 7 to 11 kg and if you're obese then around 11 to 20 pounds which is only 5 to 9 kg so it's a lot less. So your the the level of how much you should be gaining depending on how overweight you are. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, thirty kg is a lot, Cheryl. <laughs> but you would have been probably on the underweight, right? Yeah. So I um. Well, yes. When I started, I was not that underweight, but you know, I was trying to have a baby, so I gained a, my uh, weight right yeah, now. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Nadia would know; she was there for the whole process. Um, yeah. And like I was underweight, but then I started when I was starting and then it took me a while, not too much of a long time. But when I became serious about it, I had gained weight. Like Nadia even noticed, like asked me like, oh, um, have you gained weight? You look good. Not that I'm not, not that she was yeah. pointing it out. She was just like, is it because you're trying to have a baby? And I was like, yeah, you know, 
I'm not stressing so much about like eating because I used to be crazy and she knows like I was didn't eat this didn't eat that um Mm -mm -mm. but yeah so Mm. it it was very interesting to see her points and also she has a lot of good points and it's always the opposite of what I think like it's always been in contradiction to what I think of things so I was like it's great to have you on today I mean, just, I mean, I imagine uh, a woman who's like 153 centimeters. How I don't know how tall that is by, but like, it, like, you know, this is, I think in Taiwan, women are around like what, like my height. I, I don't know how tall Kat is, but Cheryl and I were like 163, four ish. Okay. We are considered as on the tall side already. If you think about it, people are like, oh, you're quite tall over here. And you you would not be tall in England. You'd be so short. I, I yeah. Was, people called me petite in South Africa and Europe. <laughs> yes, you were. Yeah. I, yeah. So I'm petite over there. Here, I'm not petite at all. Yes. So yeah. you know, like imagine the doctors here. They're used to that body, and mm-hmm, then they mm-hmm. me going in there. I'm like already quite, you know. And then they're, they're gonna start telling me like, hey, but. Of course, I, I mean, I believe that I think it's also, to be honest, lack of experience. Yes. And that's dangerous because if you're telling a woman that her gestational diabetes, she's got gestational diabetes, maybe mm-hmm. she has it in Taiwan. But if you were to go to the standards of the NHS, maybe you wouldn't have it over there. And by telling someone that they have gestational diabetes, that's going to cause stress. That's going to cause extra hospital visits all of these things that are adding on to something that's already quite a difficult time of a pregnant like being pregnant's difficult it's yeah also I don't understand I didn't understand like uh with Cheryl's first doctor okay I went with her quite often yeah um Cheryl was like perfect on her medical exams and examination, everything was perfect, right? Why mm. would you tell someone who has like, she doesn't have, she has zero issues. I think in that case, I personally don't think weight should be brought up unless mm. you see problems and you're like, mm, Cheryl. Low I'm pressure. Sorry. Yeah, Things it could like that. be But otherwise, why mention, you know, again, I think this is just a culture to be honest. Yeah. And and I do think there's doctors out there that do deal more with foreigners here or have studied abroad and maybe are a bit more open minded. And this is what we were talking about when trying to find a doctor in Taiwan. It's really important to go with someone that um, like the hospital. What's the hospital you went to, Cheryl? Uh, Xing Zhuang. It's a yeah. And you chose that. I, I I chose it because I didn't feel that much pressure like oh you have to be thin you have to have a underweight baby I was mm-hmm. it was very you know easy going you can walk around the room you can eat what you want you can do what you want you know so I felt very relaxed about that for me um yeah I think it is important to find that because even when you're giving birth being able to um to walk around the room and not have to lie on your back with your legs and steps and have your vagina cut because that's the only way the doctor knows how to do it. I want to ask Nadia this because her take on it is very different. Like if you were to give birth, Nadia, where would yeah. you do it at a clinic or would you do it at a, um, a at a hospital, a very big hospital? And be honest with this answer, okay? Because I am very happy for everyone to see your view on it. To be honest, like, you know, I mean, I think most Taiwanese women would choose a hospital only because everything's there. 
Mm-hmm. If you're in type of emergency, you're already there, right? Mm-hmm. The to be honest with you, after Cheryl told me about the, the what's that? The cutting, the cutting, a pisiotomy, a pisiotomy. <laughs> okay, anyway, that cutting uh, situation here. I did rethink about this because yes, I. Okay, so this is my take on it. Okay, and and Cheryl, you know, she told me like uh, scientifically it isn't like this. Okay, but you know how Asian women like to? I'm just smaller, my bones, everything. They ha- they say that the pelvic, their pelvis is also very narrow here, mm. and I have a, I have a huge pelvis compared to <laughs> Asian over here. So I, I, they have a joke here. When when the aunties see me, they say, "Oh, you can push out many babies because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like big pelvis, right?" So I, I, I heard many many um, Asian women here uh, share with me about their birthing experiences, and they say that most of the time they try to push first, and then they end up getting a C section because they have trouble pushing, and mm-hmm. then they. they they blame it on their tiny pelvis, which then Cheryl told me no, because you know, scientifically, mm-hmm. biologically, it's supposed to expand or something, right? So I don't it's, know if it's, it's okay. I I I stay corrected. Okay, I said yeah. to her, yes, your pelvis will move as your body gets ready. So throughout the months, you will your your hips will broaden, right? But yeah. remember when we read the episiotomy um, things like yes, I was just gonna say it, one of it was of asian descent or uh-huh. yeah so i was like oh okay maybe it could mean that but no a, mm-hmm. a woman's body is supposed it will move like broaden a little bit that's why you get ligament pain hip pain because you are your body's stretching getting ready to have a baby but yes um some women have bigger hips than others naturally no no yeah. i researched it yeah so yeah. You don't, um, you can, the, the way that you look physically on the outside has no reflection to how big your pelvis is on the inside. So if you're oh. more curvy around your hips, you're just more, you just carry a bit more fat around your hips. You're just a bit more curvy. Yeah. It's just how you're built. But actually your mm. pelvis, it's, it. Nothing to do with that. No, oh. it has actually nothing to do with it. Cause I researched it cause I wanted to know. Uh-huh. And it said, no, it doesn't. There's, you can't say like, I'm too small to give birth. Like your body will create a baby hmm. and your body will adapt. And it, there was nothing to say that. Yeah. When I, when, when I researched it, I also saw that it was like, your body will do what it needs to do to get ready mm-hmm. to have a baby. But I didn't know that yeah. your pelvis, like I just see people with big hips and I'm like, Oh, you got, you got birth hips. We call them in South Africa, but you, now we know it's got nothing to do with it. Right. You guys also call that a birth hip, right? Yeah. See? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Interesting. I couldn't find much on Taiwan. I think maybe because Taiwan's a little bit of a, a smaller island compared to other mm. islands in Asia. But I did find a lot about birth in Japan. And I know Taiwan tends to follow Japan's suit quite yeah. a bit, right? And, well, there was a woman, Naomi... Is it Naomi Hayami Shishua? Oh, I cannot oh, yeah, yeah. pronounce that uh, name. Japanese name. Naomi yes. Hayami Shishua. 
<laughs> yeah. Something like that. And she gave birth in June and she was age 35. And she found it really hard to control her weight during pregnancy, particularly as she came closer to her due date. So despite being normal weight before she gave birth, the dietitian and lecturer at she's a dietitian and a lecturer at Osaka City University. She had been advised by the hospital where she received healthcare to gain only 10 kg until delivery which is slightly less than the official government guideline to 7 to 12 about 15 to 26 pounds that is a lot lower like I said I put on 7 kg and I I don't think you can tell right Cheryl like it's literally just bump right it's just bump seven and I'm only 25 weeks and she was asked to put on 10 kg throughout her whole pregnancy in Japan so We've gone past the the discussion of ethnicity plays a part in it, but we also have to think of a dated system. How dated and how out of touch are some Asian doctors and how stuck in their ways are they? Because I know here you get the pregnancy handbook when you get pregnant, right? And they do that in uh, Japan also, but that pregnancy book is over 70 years old, right? So the guidelines in that, I'm not sure. It just says pregnant women register their pregnancies at the local government office where they receive a maternal and child health handbook, which was devised 70 years ago. How do you guys feel about that? I do feel like it's dated. Yeah. Obviously, 70 years ago, <laughs> they mm-hmm. had a lot more, like, you know, like, I don't know, example like this, uh, don't drink cold water kind of theory. Probably yeah. if in there you know so yeah and she was saying that in her view the nurses and midwives especially the doctors this is her experience going through birth in japan she's japanese um she said they were strict about weight gain um she wrote in an email uh the the reason is mainly to prevent pregnancy induced hypertension syndrome high blood pressure during pregnancy that can lead to complicated complications during birth but she wasn't she she struggled maintaining her weight but i think to recommend to someone to put on 10 kg when they're an average they're a healthy weight to begin with before pregnancies agreeably very low right uh, yeah well what i wonder is how about like in japanese standards is is she uh, a healthy weight she because was like, a healthy I, weight in japan in japan well, she was Okay, yes. she is. Okay, so you mm-hmm. see, that's why I'm curious because our weight, if we, if, if, you know, in Europe, we are all considered like pretty healthy, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. in Taiwan, I check and I'm like almost overweight. I'm just like, no, this can't be real. Right? <laughs> no, no, just <laughs> check your weight on the NHS website. Japanese yeah no so she is um, a healthy weight in Japan for a Japanese yeah. woman so are doctors giving out advice for to to are they trying to encourage less weight gain that's what I want to know because if they're doing it in Japan you know they're doing it here you see I'm just wondering like okay scientifically are there more risks risks for an overweight woman compared to an underweight woman? Because no. if same type of same type of risks. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I only know there's more risks for a smaller baby than there is a larger baby. 
because if if it's if it you know scientifically if underweight women tend to have less risk then that might be a reason because they're like okay okay you know what everyone keep yourself small mm-hmm. less risk anyways just yeah. just don't it might be that i don't know but we are over cautious yeah yeah over cautious just you know like you know what underweight is still safer no i don't know overweight i don't know do you think it's more of a beauty standard kind of thing because yes. i don't think you should you know i you and i know somebody nadia that was very mm-hmm. crazy about her weight during pregnancy that to the point i told you about this cat like she changed her whole diet when she became pregnant and didn't gain a, a single kilo maybe one kilo or two mm-hmm. but like not That's more bad. not more and she had gestational diabetes she was tested and she got it and it was because, I, and I looked it up, it was because she changed her diet so quick that it strained her body when it was pregnant that it probably gave her that. And I mm-hmm. always think like the stress that a pregnant woman gets, it it acts differently than when you're not pregnant. And I just think that if you tell someone, oh, you need to be this weight and you can't gain more than this, it stresses them out to the point where it's probably not healthy for the baby. Like if, um, I um I think Cheryl knows this person better than I do. But like, if you if she if a woman is already quite thin by the time she finds out she's pregnant, I don't get why they're like you know changing the whole diet. Because let's say me right now, okay. Mm-hmm. To be honest, very honest with you, I'm not quite happy with how. Okay, I just just a little bit like just lose a little bit like a few kg is fine for me. But I'm not mm-hmm. go. I'm not crazy I'm not starving I'm still enjoying life what yeah. I'm saying is if I got pregnant now I would probably say to Cheryl like I'm just you know not too much cake because I don't want to just go boom you know after the baby comes right but if I'm at a happy weight now I'll just probably live my life you know like oh same. Like- yeah yeah you should and that's a really good point because um people always say oh I'm eating for two I'm eating for two you're not not you should maintain the same way that you have been living maintain Mm -hmm. that only up until the end of your third trimester should you add extra calories and do you know how many calories it is 200 that's a slice of bread that's um well yeah and I think no reason for you to be like over controlling over your food then 100 percent agree yeah but the, but it, you i mean the woman have to be happy with her weight you know mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah. this woman got like a dietitian and everything from the hospital like the doctor oh, wow. her gynecologist put her on a diet with a dietitian oh. and everything and i was just like it's too much what is going on with you guys like i kept do you have an idea of her diet? Like, what kind of food is it? Like, no, very, very healthy. Like, not not traditional. Like a you know Western style, like quinoa and, then, I mean, and low carbs, lots and lots of protein, eggs. Do you, you know that caused her? Um, how do you then the diet? diabetes it it could be that because i looked it up for her because she was very upset like i can't believe it because usually people who gain weight quickly during pregnancy get it right but she didn't gain any weight and it could be also age because she was in her 40s when she had her first baby so it could be age as well yeah Yeah. but it can all play a part yeah Mm -hmm. i haven't changed the way i eat at all the only thing that has changed for me is some things I just can't eat because I'm like, oh, well, 
No, you know, and some women do lose a bit of weight in their first trimester because of food aversions and nausea. But I haven't, I haven't changed anything that I eat. I eat more cereal. I love cereal right now, like granola. Obsessed. I watched you eat your cereal at school, and I you made it look so yummy. And I don't like cereal. The way she was eating it, she was just like mixing it. (laughs) Yeah, and then I'm like, I want some cereal right now. (laughs) <laughs> yeah so um i looked at the cnn house and found for japan that yeah. they were they wrote an article on it and they said that they were fearing for the future in which life expectancy dwindles so mm-hmm. they feel that um there's been a study among pregnant women to better understand why some are reluctant to gain weight because they mm-hmm. think that um japanese women tend to self-restrict weight gain even lower than current recommendations as they think that doing so will ease delivery and help them retain a better body proportion after delivery so that's why women are doing it in japan apparently from this survey and article um Yeah. Yet these self-imposed restrictions do nothing for the women, he said. Slimmer pregnancy does not decrease the risk of a C-section and did not change the number of extra pounds still retained a year after birth. So even if you go to all of that effort to stay slimmer during during your pregnancy, it's not going to make your birth easier. And actually, you're going to gain weight after you give birth. That's what they were saying. After a year after giving birth. Yeah. You know, Nadia saw it. She was there for it. During my pregnancy, I did gain a lot of weight. I lost a lot of weight in the first week of giving birth because I had a lot of water retention. But Mm -hmm. my my first year of having my daughter, I think I gained more weight than I lost. And it's like, in the pictures, like even when I show pictures to Nadia, sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, why would you let me leave the house looking like this? You know, because I was really confident. Like I would wear my crop top <laughs> and like leave the house. And I see these pictures and I'm just like, oh my goodness, I look bigger than what I was pregnant. I was just going to say, um, I'm really hoping that you had the Zhongxing, uh, the you had the tan helps me get like all my nutrients yes. and gives me my second chance i'm doing it i'm doing it guys whatever they tell me to eat it could be a brain i'm eating it okay anything <laughs> i will eat it because <laughs> i think there's something called the mummy makeover right that that yeah. women get and i just um I don't know, did Cheryl bring this up with you? But um, with certain like breast uh, enlargement surgeries, mm-hmm. they have like different placement under the muscle, above the muscle. Yeah, yeah, I know. That, um, you know, I, I, I'll just tell you this, okay? So I went through an over muscle surgery uh-huh. and the doctor told me, uh, you're not going to breastfeed, hey, never. And right. uh, for my mom, when I told her, uh, you know, I just, I just said, okay. She was so shocked. She was like, you're not a mom yet you know you're a little bit selfish you know like you, you, you know the breasts you should leave for your babies you know and then after that I'm just like I, I just want to be free now you know like yeah. I, that's why I said to Cheryl zero I'm not breastfeeding and Cheryl was like yeah but you know breast like, is best yeah breastfeed is good and she's heard that people do it even with that and I'm like yeah but I chose the less painful uh procedure mm-hmm. but then 
I know the difference you can go under the muscle or over and under the muscle okay. is a lot more painful yeah exactly opening muscle so we were like talking about this and I just told Cheryl you know like um many moms on that group they had five babies they had like they, they oh. did the makeover after three and then they had babies you know after on and um some just you know they still look the same some had to go through another makeover yeah so like telling Cheryl that like you know if you really do want to go through that uh-huh <laughs> just make sure like you know no no it, more yeah because yeah. it is yeah. something she's thinking about isn't it like she yeah, keeps mentioning, mentioning like and I, I'm, I'm definitely for that because you know I just I you mm. see I'm gonna, I'm very how do you say pro mother like I don't believe that we should look like like a mother after we get yeah yeah I, don't want people then not people but just you know i don't want you to look in the mirror and be like oh i gave up so much for my kid about uh just mommy makeovers yes. just ah. go, like, a lot of even like the belly like the tummy lift and whatever you know like anything anything that brings a mom back to <laughs> how she looked before okay okay so the mothers on there they had breast implants and they went, went through a breast lift and everything and I was just telling Cheryl that they themselves say they are so much happier yeah wow so much happier because you know I mean who nobody would be like yeah I'm so happy I'm gonna have saggy boobs after my no no one wants that to happen right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like I know there are people who are like how would you say pro nature pro natural or something you know like you know but you know what we want to all feel good mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. i've definitely researched mummy makeovers before and mm -hmm. um i be i do believe like if you can afford something and it's not going to affect your house then why wouldn't you do it if it's going to make you happy mm. exactly why yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I do know people because we were discussing boob jobs. Um, we took a little break, and in the break we were discussing boob jobs and breastfeeding, and um, mm -hmm. we were saying like whether it's over the muscle or under the muscle. I do know people who have had boob jobs, but I don't know if it was over or under. But they breastfed, and their boobs just didn't change. Mm. They looked exactly well, the same. Most people choose under. I'm just like the minority, right? Because I was like. Um, you know, I my my boobs were perfect before, like no no lift needed, nothing. Yeah. So the doctor was like, I I told the doctor, I'm like, I don't want oh I don't want it under the muscle. I just don't want to go through that pain. Yeah. And I also wanted to go work out someday. <laughs> someday. And you know, if you put it under your muscles, it they cause a deformity or something. Well, okay. so deformities. Um, some people have yeah. it over, some people have it under, and some people have it between. Okay, between the I don't know, I don't call it overs because most people don't understand. This is a new technique. They they call it subfacial. It's oh. like a a very thin. You know when you when you have meat, sometimes you have this very thin, um, transparent layer. Yes. Of, they call that the subfacial or something. Subfacial. I don't know how to pronounce that, but sub something. Okay, and basically they just learned how to put this under the thing, oh. so it's still over the muscle but it also keeps it more secure 
Because the problem with over muscles is a lot of overs, people tend to sag it after drop, a few years. Because it, it's still heavy, right? It's heavy and it's just under their skin. Yeah. You, you, yeah. So they put it under the subfacial, which is like, yeah, keeps it in place. But it only, you know, like if you need a lift or anything, then I don't think they can go through this. It's for someone with very, very tiny flat boobs, mm -hmm. no boobs to begin with, or perfectly perky ones. Okay. Because I go through, you know, you know, it you still go through a risk of having it, you know, droopy someday. Yeah, but when you have a breast job, a breast job, don't you? Um, every ten years you have to get it redone. Um, that's a myth. That's a myth. With today's technology, with today's technology, they say about twenty, twenty, twenty years. But most people just take it out after twenty years, right? It's like I'd be fifty, you know. By then, then I get to choose if I want to buy a new pair or I just want it out. I'm sure, Basically. like, yeah, you can examine it, right? And if everything looks healthy and fine, maybe keep it in. But I know my friend's mum had it and she went back after, she said she's going to have to go back after 10 years and have it redone. Yeah. Well, she probably had it, um, you know, a little leak or something. No, no, no. She just had it done. And then they said to oh. her, but um, also it will be something you have to... Uh, have redone after 10 years because you don't want it in your body for 10 years yeah I also remember oh. Nadia telling me you got different ones right and then the one that you got was like the best newest technology where you don't need to massage it after you've had it done they're just soft if you, if someone's on a budget and they must do their boobs they could still choose it it's just uh -huh. one we, we, we say this is like they say um Less less money, but then you go through hell for six months because you go to a special massage lady, okay, in Taipei or wherever, and they massage your boobs in a very very like it's not like you massage you, it's like it's like they they have to just make sure that thing is moving in there, otherwise it's gonna stick with your whatever inside. Oh uh, yes, it will. Pops. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, CC, I think it's like um. I don't know that English word, but it basically a shell grows outside, like a scar tissue grows outside of the implant. Okay, well, thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Bye.